Here by the Owl podcast is a podcast for owlets and wise owls alike. Join hosts Nikki Fiddle-Eye-Doll and Brianna Briegel along with rotating owls from across the country as they discuss what it takes to advise from time to time. Our podcast is fueled by the true knowledge from empowering agricultural education instructors and ripen with the wisdom you will never learn in a textbook. back to another episode of Here by the Owl podcast. Today we are so excited to have Missy Hansen, an ag teacher from North Dakota on our podcast, and she was actually my high school ag teacher and advisor and um, has lots of wisdom to share with us about CDE teams and how she prepares them and all of the stuff for us. So Missy, why don't you start out by introducing yourself and letting our listeners know a little bit more about you. Thanks, Brianna, and thanks, Brianna and Nikki, for inviting me um, on here for one of your uh, podcast sessions. Um, So I have been an agricultural education teacher for 19 years. Um, I started out in Medina, North Dakota uh, for the first eight years, and then I am in my 11th year here in Carrington. Um, This is my hometown, so I grew up here and then um, went to college and then again taught in Medina and then came back here. Um, And so uh, our program here has about um, 80, approximately 80 students, um, 9 through 12. Um, I do not have any junior high classes um, right now. And so um, it's a pretty um, diverse and comprehensive program we cover. Uh, a lot of agricultural topics um, in central North Dakota. So, Do, have you never taught eighth grade in Carrington? No, I've never Not had any gosh. junior high in Carrington. Oh my gosh. Well, you'll have to add to the program. Brianna can come work there someday when she's old. It's been discussed to have a, a second teacher. Well, it blows my but... mind because you guys have a decent sized school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, a lot of it here has to do with with class load. Um, like for, I mean, for me to teach eighth graders on a consistent basis, I there are some years where I, where I will end up with probably 28 freshmen. Well, then that's gotta be split into two sections. So then we've got to add another section. And then when we do that, then I teach on overload. And then, you know, so there isn't, we wouldn't be able to consistently say we could have like eighth graders right. every year. How many kids do you have going through your program right now? Right now I have 85. That's pretty good. So we're going to get into talking about preparing for uh, CDE teams, all the tips and tricks. Um, First off, how do you, I guess, how do you set up your teams? And I know North Dakota is different than other, in, than other states. So um, like right now we have agronomy, livestock and egg sales happening, but when you go to prepare for, any CDE, how do you set it up? Are you putting up a sign-up sheet, asking students individually? Like, how do you tackle that part of it? So I, for me, I will put sign-up sheets about two weeks prior to when I want to start my first practice for most of the events that we have. Um, So in North Dakota, our parliamentary procedure team is pretty traditionally our officer team. So that one is kind of pre-established obviously. Um, but for the other events, um, most of them, like I said, I'll put a sign-up sheet. Um, but especially it's, it's maybe a little bit challenging for me, like for the freshmen is to really kind of know them well enough to be able to know what they're interested in or know what they might want to do. Um, but so sometimes it does take, uh, some personal contact with some of those kids to say, Hey, listen, I think you should at least try to um, come and, and try this out and practice for it, um, a little bit, come and see what we have going on, uh, with, you know, it, it kind of seems like, and, and I, I think this is the same for a lot of other people that once you get those kids kind of going and, and hooked on it and, um, that they find something that they're interested in, um, I think that that's what really helps to kind of Um, keep them going, keep them coming back and maybe want to participate in some other um, events as well. I do also, uh, I try to throughout the year, like when I'm covering particular units with 
um, specifically freshmen and the in introduction to egg and sophomores and foundations of egg. Um, I usually try to incorporate at least like one day of like, so we're studying plant science, you know, maybe it's agronomy or maybe it's floral or horticulture, or whatever the unit is to just take one day and pull out a couple of those activities from the actual CDEs and, and have the kids kind of compete against each other a little bit, I guess you could say, not, not necessarily a competition, but just to show them what's there. I don't teach the CDEs per se, but for them to say, you know, this is what, you know, this is in, in animal science, we've gone over beef production and sheep production and, and swine production. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about livestock judging and so that they understand kind of just a little bit about what it is. And I've had some kids that have said, Hey, I really liked that. Or, um, you know, what could I do? You know, is there kind of an FFA event for that or a competition for that as well? So that's kind of a way that I think that I try to at least get those freshmen kind of interested in, in what they're doing, uh, or in what those competitions are. So, um, oh, oh, sorry. No, you, you I, I was just going to say really quick too, like, um, you know, part and part of the reason that I think that that has helped is that, um, the students don't always necessarily connect the unit that we're doing in school with a specific FFA event. Um, if that makes sense, you know, like some of them don't realize that you can do something like floriculture. You know, we might be talking about horticulture and propagating plants and some of that kind of stuff. And they don't really even, not all of them even know that there's that competition is out there. So I think just kind of tying those things um, together. And then going back just to the signup sheets, I, out in the, I, I put them up out in the hallway. That's just the place that I have a spot for them out on a bulletin board. Um, and, uh, again, try to maybe, you know, at the end of each class, especially kind of that, those first few days that they're up, Hey, this FFA event is coming up and the signup sheets are out there so that just that they're made aware of it. Um, so in North Dakota, we don't have all the CDs obviously, but for other people in other States, um, we have quite a few of them. Obviously we don't have forest streaks. We don't have any trees here, but, how do you kind of decide like what CDEs are kind of worth your time to do? Um, and I should preface this by saying that um, for those that don't know Missy and don't know Carrington, um, I think you've had what almost a state winning team in almost every single contest. Are there any contests left that you haven't had a Harley state pro parliamentary pro. procedure and nursery landscape uh, are two events that we have not had a state winning team in and as long as brian schneider is teaching i never have aspirations to win parliamentary procedure maybe after he's done i can i can set that one up there so um yeah i think i think that that's a that's a very valid question for any egg teacher you know how do you decide which ones which ones you're going to do um and uh i i thought this was kind of funny because when i was kind of um, thinking about some of this, um, Brianna actually came to mind for some of this as well. And so kind of to answer that question, um, I think that student interest probably has to play into that first. I think that depending on where you live and what agricultural things are very, um, you know, important to your community and, and important to your area or your part of the country, I think that obviously those CDEs are easier for us to teach and explain because we have just the, the resources available within our local area. I also think to go along with that though, is that the teacher has to make some of that decision as well. I mean, there are just some events that I'm not nearly as knowledgeable about or feel as comfortable preparing a team, but I will bring this up because um, Brianna was the member of numerous state winning CDE teams when she was in high school. And one of them was in ag communications. And it was the first time that any of us had ever done ag communications, but it was a group of students that wanted to excel and wanted to succeed. And they wanted to find something that they could be competitive in. And I did my best to find the resources to be able to help that group of kids. And, you know, I, never would have dreamed that 
that that is necessarily something that we would have probably, you know, tried to do without the fact. And so I, and that was a very student driven decision. It was a group of those kids saying, Hey, you know, we really want to do something at state FFA convention this year that maybe could get us back to national FFA convention. And uh, I believe you guys had already been on a state winning food science team and a state winning agronomy team at that time. And so you, you guys were just hungry to be able to go back to national convention. And so I think sometimes that that had that plays into it as much as anything is what, what do the students want to do? And, and you know, what, what do they want to get out of it? Um, because I, I think that, uh, we can, we can talk about CDEs being career development events and, and they can certainly help students prepare students for more than just careers, potential hobbies in their future and some of that kind of stuff, but it's still a competitive competition. And so some students simply want to do it because they want to learn more about that particular area. And some students are like, no, if we're doing it. We're, we want to see ourselves at the top, Brianna. Um, and so, and so that group that that Brianna was on was very much like that. And so, you know, the the question of of deciding which CDEs are worth your time, I think that that it has to be kind of a combination of the students and the teacher and what they're interested in. But every once in a while, you will come across a, a very special and unique group of kids that says, "We we want to do anything that we can do well at," and so those kinds of kids are kids that you just need to be able to find the resources for and they will probably just do the, a lot of it on their own but um but i do think um and and kind of you know maybe a little bit later on we can talk about you know kind of getting started and some of that kind of stuff but i think that it's important that the the teacher really feels comfortable with the event um and how it's conducted at, at your state level or your district or regional whatever it is um that that you feel like you can help the students um, with, with, with whatever it is, so. I think for me, when I started, the hardest part was I felt like I had to have a team in everything. And I mean, maybe Missy, when you started, I mean, you felt that way too, but the more years I've taught, like this year, I don't have an agronomy team, which is one of my favorite contests. So it hurts not to, but we just don't have a team, you know? Right, and, and I agree be okay with, you, with it. Oh, sorry. No, I was yeah. just going to say, you got to be okay with it, but it's taken me a while to be okay with it, especially like a state convention. You know, our state convention, we have all a, a ton of our CDE and LDE events. And especially if you're in a single person program, that can be exhausting. And there's just some teams that I've never coached, like farm, farm business management. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> um, but there's just, I mean... You got to look, like you said, look at your priorities of your program, your priorities of kids, their, their, their skills they have already. Like, obviously, you know, Brianna had at that time probably had skills in public speaking, which kind of lends itself very well in AgCom. So, you know, seeing what they need to accomplish on that team, whether they know nothing about it at all, if they already have some prior skill sets that lend themselves well to a contest, hopefully they'll find some success. Yeah. And I, I just, I was going to say, like, I completely agree with you. Like you, you really do like, and, and it, it is a very hard thing, but like, you don't have to have every team. You really don't. And it's okay. And, and kind of, and even, and, but you're right. Even if it's that your, what was your favorite event or one of your favorite things when you participated or, you know, whatever, um, that can be hard, but I think that you will find more success for your students if you're willing to help connect them with the things that they are kind of interested in and maybe you stretch yourself a little bit and learn something else, then try to take them and, you know, make them into agronomy judges because you liked agronomy. I mean, that, that, that just to me doesn't, you know, a lot of times students then don't they don't necessarily want to do it. They don't get too excited about it if it's not something that they want to do as well. So yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. I just have a little bit of a follow-up question based off of that. Um, so say, for example, you're preparing for state convention and you have one student, one sophomore student who loves horses, right? And you don't really want to 
coach a horse judging team and you don't have a team, no one else really cares about horses in your school, do you still coach that one student in that event or do you try to push them towards doing a, a contest that might have one you know spot left on their team? Yeah, I think that I think that's a tough question. And I've I've yeah, been in tough situations like that before and probably have handled it differently different times. Um I I would lend myself to 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 try to encourage them to still be a part of it. I mean, they have to realize that they're going to be an individual. Um, they're not going to have a team and they're not going to, you know, be involved in if, you know, team activities or or that kind of thing. Um and sometimes them doing well and them working at it is enough to create enough interest in some other kids to say maybe the next year that I'm going to do that with them or, you know, um, or, or on the flip side of it, um, you know, if, if it's a student that, that really does need to be able to have a team, like they need to be able to have other people helping them or other people working with them, then I think you may try to try to, you know, steer them into, into a different, um, event. But for me, that is small animal care. Like I always have one or two kids that wants to do small animal care, but never really a full team too often. Brianna and small animal care is not teams. something, but <laughs> so Brianna could put together six teams wherever she teaches. Right? Those kids love small animal care. Yeah. And, and, and like, I don't really have an interest in it and whatever. So I have had, you know, I would say my experience with that then has been that those kids do small animal care the first, the first year. And then they're like, we, we kind of want to try something else. We want to, you know, we'd rather be a part of a team, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, I do think it kind of varies a little bit, but, but I do think that like, if you have a student that's, that's really excited and really wants to do something, I think that finding the resources. And especially here in North Dakota, there are people willing to help out and provide those things. If you don't know that much about it, that even if it is one kid, um, and, and this maybe kind of goes into the next thing we'll talk about, but you may not be able to devote as much practice time with them. I mean, it may have to be that, you know, listen, I'll get the materials for you, but because you're only one person practicing horse judging, I might not be able to spend as much time practicing with you, but you go for it and you do it and, you know, give it a try. So yeah, I, that's kind of, that's a, that's always, a a, that's always tough because especially when you have a kid excited, but mm -hmm. I've always like, especially a kid who's never competed in FFA, you, you always got to be upfront with them and explain like, here's the layout of this contest because you're one person, here's the only part of the contest you can do. And you will have no, like you can't win as a team. So, and then they have to decide what's their priority. Cause there's some kids, like you said, that are going to right away say, no, that doesn't seem like what I want to do. But there's some kids that if horses are their passion, they would judge them all day long by themselves. So, and what's to say that that kid can't win individually. Um, right. And I, and I just was going to say too, we have had some kids in that situation where they have been the high individual or in the top three or whatever, as like the only one or one of two from their school that have competed in those events. And so, you know, for them, yes, it was. And then the next year they're begging their friends because they right. saw how, how good they can be and what it would take to win. Yeah. Um, but then there's some kids that they get three contests in being an individual and then they're like, well, what's the point? So Right. You know, that's why being up front hopefully helps you make the decision. I, I mean, it's always hard, but you mentioned practices. How do you, how do you set up your practice? I mean, I'm sure every contest is a little different, but for me, I guess I think about like, how long do you practice? How often, when is time is always hard. I think for everybody, like, how do you attack that? Especially when you have multiple teams at the same time. Yeah. So I'll, I'm just going to talk just a little bit about, um, kind of in groups here. So with, you know, our land and, and range judging events, those are events that are, you know, you kind of got to be able to get outdoors and get out to a pasture or get out to a land site and some of those kinds of things. And so 
Um, the practices for those, we try to do them after school. And then um, we'll also, we'll do them sometimes in the little bit later on in the evening, because if they conflict with maybe a sports schedule or something like that. Um, so for those events, we, we kind of do a little bit of both. To, so just mostly so that we can get out and actually um, do some practicing out in, like I said, out in the pasture or out in a land site. For district leadership, um, some of our parliaments, where a lot of our parliamentary practices have been at like seven o'clock in the morning or earlier, you know, 6.45 in the morning, we try to go too much earlier than that for everybody's sake. But um, some schools do, some schools will go earlier than that. But um, so for district leadership in preparing for that, that has seemed to kind of be our best time that we can kind of practice. And then, um, for the winter CDEs here, yeah, you're right. When you're practicing for agronomy um, and livestock judging and egg sales, we have just, we've found a schedule that works for us and we try to stick to that schedule. And if kids aren't able to make it, then we'll maybe make some adjustments. But um, so our practices are on Mondays at either 3.30 or 6.30 for livestock judging and agronomy. And again, um, I have some, community people that come in and help with, with both of those events. And so I don't always necessarily have to be at both of them for a single person program and some of that kind of stuff that it doesn't necessarily work to have them both practicing at the same time. Um, and then our, our egg sales practices, we have picked Tuesday after school because that's when everybody can come. And so, um, I think so that, you have that you know, conversation with the kids on the team every year to figure out, you know, cause if teams are changing, you yep. know, where they, or, you know, from one year to the other, they sign up and they're in another extracurricular and their schedules yep. changed. So it might vary from year to year. Right. So, so for agronomy and livestock, judging, it has been that way probably since Brianna was in high school, like Mondays and Thursdays were just our days of practice. And um, what I was just going to kind of follow up and say there is that the kids are expected to come to one practice a week. So they don't have to come at 3.30 and be there at 6.30 and be there on Thursday. They're expected to come once per, per week. Um, with the egg sales team, yes, you're exactly right. It's a conversation with those kids that want to be on that team. What's the best time that works for you guys? And let's try to stay at the same time if we can. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Which I'm sure um, it's similar with other teams where the whole team has to, I mean, it's really hard to practice, you know, for the egg sales team event without your whole team. Right. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like, so some of our CDEs that have team events, I, I can, you know, just off the top of my head, egg communications, food mm -hmm. science, um, uh, agronomy, even, you know, I mean, some of those events, you're right. Like, you can't practice a major portion of that without having your whole team there. And so finding a time or at least a couple of times when everybody can be there can be very challenging. Um, so for state convention, I would say it's actually a little bit, I, I do it a little bit different than that. I will, the teams that are my priority are the teams that really want to work hard and and are really maybe striving to be in the top five teams let's say and so i will you know i'll probably start those teams a little bit earlier um for us our state convention is the first full week in june so i will probably start them probably at the towards the end of april and i will get them their materials and we'll try to set up kind of a meeting with i would say like i don't know let's say two or three teams and get them started. And then kind of some of the rest of the teams, I'll try to get them started the following week. And, and those CDEs are a lot harder to set up a, a strict schedule. Um, and so it kind of does go like week by week. Okay, what works for everybody this week? What works for everybody this week? And so, um, you know, and I know for all of our CDEs at State FFA Convention, you know, you could be practicing every morning, afternoon, and evening if you wanted to. And so that's why I say, I think for, for those events, 
your practice schedule, you need to decide which teams you're going to practice with the most or what teams are going to need, you know, like I can, I can think of a few, few events where the kids can probably do a lot of the practicing on their own, or, you know, for example, like floriculture, I could have a floriculture workout going on as the same time as maybe a milk quality workout, because the floriculture students maybe be able to kind of go in one part of my room or, or whatever, or uh, in the egg building here and practice floral ID while the milk quality kids are working on a test or tasting milks or whatever. So for state convention, I, you know, we probably, I probably have multiple CDEs that are practicing at the same time being prepared for them. And so when you talk about like practices, I try not to have practices go longer than probably about an hour and a half. I just feel like the time of day for students after school or evening, their attention span can't go too much longer than that. And like, then to me, you lose out on the quality. And so I am a big quality versus quantity person. If I notice that kids are starting to not have as much interest, well, I'll just cut it short and say, Hey, we're just going to finish up here today. Like you guys obviously need a break and, and whatever. And so, um, you know, practices are probably, I would say an hour and a half hour, 15 minutes, but when we're here and, and, and I think that's an important thing for CDE practices, you've got to be organized. I mean, you've got to find some resources so that when they're here, they're using their time to practice what they need to be practicing. Um, if you give them free time, they will be doing something else and they will get off track. And so trying to keep them focused on, on what they're, um, you know, on what they're doing and, and kind of some different things, like lots of our CDs have so many different components to them, um, that, you know, focusing, okay, tonight we're going to practice these two or three areas. We're not going to practice everything. We're going to practice on these couple of things. And so kind of breaking those up. Um, how do you decide? I mean, like you said, so many contests have so many moving parts, especially when you're getting a team started who's ne maybe never seen or participated in contests at all. How do you decide where to, pro you know, you, if you're meeting once a week for an hour and a half, where do you, what do you decide as a coach is the best use of your time? Um, and I know every contest might be different, but Right. And I, and yeah, I know what you're saying. And I, but I would say like, to me, the practicum things are the things that I try to focus on starting with kids with, like, I will put together a binder of materials for them. And let's say that there's a written test part of the contest. And then there's like, let's use floriculture as an example. So there's a written test component and then there's multiple practicum things. And so I will really focus in my practices on those practicums because those things are hard for them to practice on their own. Um, whereas like the test questions and, and kids will use multiple different, you know, Quizlets and cahoots and, um, you know, different things that they will put together to study those things. But like practicing a corsage and boutonniere is something that's a little bit harder for them to do at home or knowing the differences between the plant identification or being able to do a sales call and, and that kind of stuff is harder for them. So, um, I would say that I, I focus on those kinds of things that are, well, yeah, like I said, that are more practicum based. That isn't to say that I won't give them a test at one of the practices. Cause maybe I just need a little time <laughs> to maybe, you know, organize things, or you're trying to work with a couple teams at the same time or something, um, or maybe give them the test and even just say, this is due to be by the end of the week, you've got to work on it for the rest of the week. I don't know that I even care that they look up the answers because I think a lot of it is just a matter of them learning the terminology and the questions and some of that kind of stuff um, with them as well. So um, like, especially like for livestock judging, as an example, we spend a bulk of our time practicing reasons because that's just something that they need help being able to, especially with kids that are learning how to do it, they're not confident about it. They don't totally understand it. That's the thing that gets them very nervous. Um, but, uh, you know, so the things where 
they need to kind of learn how to do them are, are probably where I try to focus my time in, uh, in practice. And then, like I said, like the tests and some of that kind of stuff, they have to kind of work on that and, and do that on their own. And, and I think that you guys will probably agree with me. I mean, kids that are really interested and want to do well, they'll take the time to do that. And for younger students, that's hard for them to know and understand. Like they don't understand, like, for example, in egg sales, like you're, 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 I spend a lot of time working on the actual presentation. The new students don't do well on the test at all right away. But by the time they've done, if they've done it for two or three years, they're like, okay, well, I know how to do my presentation. We practice that. But if I don't figure out this test thing, then I'm going to have to, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to do as well. And I think that's a hard thing. I think when we talk about um, CDEs and, and being inclusive of all students, I think we all realize that there are some students that don't do well with memorizing. They don't do well with taking tests and some of that kind of stuff. And, and that can kind of be a tough thing as well. And so I feel like if I can give them the tools to, to do well on some of the practical things, then hopefully then they can figure out some of the, the test type things on their own. Well, and I think it's something too that like a lot of times, like, especially when you think about your freshman students, like I think about myself as a freshman at my first state of a convention and, you know, I thought I studied really hard and then I get there and I, I mean, I got gold in the competition, but I just didn't exceed like my own expectations because like, you don't truly know how hard you need to like work at something when you, when you're doing it for the first time. Like I studied for an hour last night. That's probably enough, right? Cause that's what I do for school. But um, to like actually get students to an event to see like well and I think I don't know what you guys feel like but with my kids they start so many things in elementary so they don't remember sucking at basketball I mean they they just remember I mean I don't remember playing fourth and fifth grade basketball and bless my mother for being there to cheer me on because that had to be torture but I don't remember playing it. I just know I did. I don't remember if I scored in the right basket, how many points. And so when I'm talking to ninth graders or even 10th graders trying to encourage them, they go to their first contest and then they're like, I did terrible. I worked so hard. I studied so hard. Why did I get a bronze? They don't get what it takes. And I always tell them you like most of them are in sports or in another activity. Do you remember, like, when did you start playing basketball? Well, fourth grade. You just started agronomy as a ninth grader. Like you have to give your, you know, there's very few kids that can learn a contest in a year and do well. I mean, I'm sure we all have examples of where we've had a kid, but in the grand scheme of things, the kids that are winning have done them for multiple years and they know what it takes, especially if they've won another contest, they know what it takes and how much studying it takes to do well. And I always my kids struggle with that because they see their score and they see the time they put in and they think they should automatically do well. But I tell them all the time, if we would have started egg sales in the fourth grade, I mean, think of how good you would be now, but so would the rest of your competition, you know? So I have that, that battle every year with kids. It doesn't matter the CDE, it feels, because um, everything else, they start so young. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like until you actually go and compete and actually see what's there. Um, yeah. You don't probably fully realize what it is that you need to, you know, what you need to practice or how much you need to practice or, you know, cause you're, you're, you know, Brianna, you said something too there, like, especially a lot of our high flyers, you know, they may not necessarily have to spend a whole bunch of time studying for school to do well on a test at school. So you think, well, I can do this and I can go to this competition. And especially as junior high or freshman students competing against those juniors and seniors, there's, there's just a gap there, you know, and it just takes you a while and, and being able to realize that you need to put in, you know, put in the time and, and gain the experience to be able to do it is, um, is important too. Well, and, and some of our events lend very well to 4-H. So those kids get that younger experience. Like Brianna, if you never started when you did, do you think your ninth grade agronomy score would be as high as it was? I mean, probably not, you know? It's surprising you stuck with it with all the crying you did as a small child in agronomy, but 
like you don't remember being terrible like it's the same thing I mean maybe you do because Bruce reminds you but you know you don't remember doing so bad at those parts of the contest and then when you were a ninth grader you already had part of it down you know and these kids don't understand they're you they're learning a massive contest in a short amount of time so I always struggle having kids stick with it because they're like well I just want to get I want to try something new this next year well you're gonna you're wasting all of that time that you spent in that contest right yeah and I will I will go back just really quick just when you talked about like improving and getting better in what we do at practices so uh, one of the things that I usually try to do the first night of like livestock judging, for example, is record kids giving reasons. Um, because I want to have it on record what they started out as, and it's not there, you know, to, to, you know, get a laugh, although sometimes they do, but it's there, like, this is what you sounded like in your reasons on the first night. And now we're at, you know, the week of the state contest or whatever. I mean, do you, can you tell the improvement that you've made? And I think that most of them can. And for most of them, it's been a motivation. It's kind of funny because I, I have kind of kept those videos over the years and I converted a different computer. So I lost a bunch of them and the kids were even asking a couple of weeks ago at practice, do you still have those ones from when I started in, you know, whatever, because it's true. Like you, you realize how much better you've gotten, but um, it, yeah, you don't realize that at first. Right, definitely. Well, first, I feel like I need to set the record straight. I started agronomy when I was eight years old. So I wasn't like a junior high um, student crying in the hallway. I was like eight and nine. Um, and second, um, I guess kind of moving on to involving community members in coaching CDs. I feel like Missy, you do a really good job of that. And um, I guess kind of explain how you do that and maybe why you like to involve community members in that. Right. So, so just to talk in and going back to kind of what Brianna said there about starting when you're younger and whatever um, we've, I have developed or, or tried to develop a good relationship with our extension program and our 4-H program um, in some of the events where 4-H and FFA do things that are similar. And I, I know that Nikki has worked with some and I know Brianna has as well, but um, you know, I, and, and so in that regard to try to get some of those, you know, some of our most successful students have been the kids that got started with something through 4-H. And then as they've grown, when they were the freshmen, they weren't starting brand new anymore. They were actually, you know, they had some of those advantages of being able to get started. So in some situations, that's a great way to just, when we talk about just involving community members in general, but um, you know, if, if you have an extension service or you have a 4-H program um, that, is, that, that is interested in working with you or that you can kind of develop that um, partnership or that relationship, that's one, one way that you can kind of um, work together. And that doesn't work for every situation, um, but it has worked well for, um, for us here. And, and even when I taught in Medina, I had a lot of the younger kids that just livestock judging was the big one that, that kids were interested in participating in. So I got them started when they were fourth, fifth graders, because, um, I knew that eventually down the road, that it would be something that, that would help them out in the, in the long run. Um, and I guess for me, uh, getting community members involved was something that um, even when I was um, in school, you know, we had people come in and help us with different things. And so I have, I am very fortunate here to have a, a, the retired ag teacher live in the community. Um, and, and lots of uh, alumni of the program um, that have, that have had success. And then, um, you know, trying to kind of lean on them a little bit to say, hey, why don't you come and share some of that expertise? You've moved back to the community. Why don't you come in and, and help us out? And so um, in lots of different ways, and, and I'll just I'll just list a few just different ideas for some different teams and, and different things that, that we've kind of utilized. And so um, like for range judging, for example, our local NRCS, um, they had, this was, um, not this year, but the year before, they had the their one of their uh, rain or one of their specialists had like 
grown a, a bunch or gone out and gotten a bunch of range plants and collected them and put them in like coffee cans and whatever. And like, I mean, she was more than willing to like come in and explain those and share those. And um, it doesn't, it doesn't work out all the time, but in, in that particular year um, it did. So your local NRCS may have someone in the area of like range judging, for example, um, we have the Carrington Research Extension Center here. So we have, I feel a lot of very valuable professionals in lots of different areas. Um, for a while, they had a soil scientist here that really wanted to get involved with land judging. And um, since that time, Chris has moved out to Dickinson where he's taken on a different position, but I mean, he went to national land judging contests with us. And you talk about a great resource, someone that's studied soil science to a higher degree than I ever care to. And, you know, he would talk about soil formations to students in ways that like they did not care about. They just wanted to know if it was a medium or a moderately fine. Um, but he was just, I mean, but he shared that knowledge with them and he wanted to get involved with them. And all that took was just somebody asking, you know, hey, would you want to talk to the kids about soil, you know, whatever. And, and he, you know, obviously became very interested in that. We're also very fortunate in our area to have a, a very large dairy um, and, and they are more than willing to allow us to come out and do dairy judging practices and um, you know, pretty much open up the barn and let us sort out whatever cows we want to, to be able to practice for that. Um, we have a, a farm business management instructor position that was associated with the school and now is through uh, Lake region in, in Devil's Lake. And though, you know, that position, which it, it's been numerous people over the last couple of years, but um, for farm business management, boy, they're excellent. That's what they do every single day. Um, and then in the area of floriculture, uh, Brianna's mom, Linnell has come in for many years to, she helped, she had helped judge that event at state convention. Boy, you talk about a great resource that can come in and help your kids you know, she was, she was willing to do that. We have, um, you know, several, I have several former students that probably just help out in a smaller capacity. Um, one of them right now, that's actually a former student from when I was teaching in Medina is one of our assistant coaches for livestock judging. Um, and I think that all of those things um, have been created in terms of, of just kind of making those connections and being willing to ask those people to come in and help not everybody's going to be able to commit to helping you with every practice. And I think that's important, an important thing to realize. It's not like you're just going to be able to say, okay, well, you want to help with this. You can just run the, uh, you can just run the show. I'm fortunate in the area of agronomy. Um, Bruce Bachmeyer is an actual, is an agronomist and has been for several years. He's helped the, with the crops judging and, and agronomy contest for many years. And, um, and then again, uh, retired ag teacher, Joel Lemaire has also, I mean, that's his thing that he's interested in. That's an area that I, I don't, they'd prefer that I just stay out of the way um, because they know far more than I do. And so, it, and, I, and I also think that it has been good for the kids. It's good for them to not always have to view the egg teacher as being the one who really has that area of expertise all the time. Because there are some things that, you know, I don't know as well as, as certain uh, or as other people do. Um, and so I, I, the other thing I think is that it takes the pressure off of me. I don't feel like I have to know everything. I don't feel like I have to be the one um, to answer all those questions. Probably the one thing that I would say is a little bit of a you know, kind of side note is sometimes those industry professionals, they, they've got a lot of expertise, but understanding how our competition or how our contest is run um, can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge. You know, um, floral is a good example. Every florist does things differently. And then, so then to explain to them, well, for our contest, they're going to get a single carnation to do their uh, corsage and they're going to get, or, or to do their boutonniere and they're gonna get mini carnations to do uh, the corsage. You know, like you have to explain some of those things to them. Otherwise they'll have kids creating and making things with all sorts of flowers and whatever. And not that you don't want those kids to have that information, 
but ultimately you're still trying to prepare them for the CDE. So, you know, giving them some guidance um, in some of those things as well, uh, you know, is important as well. Um, and so I just think that, I mean, like I said, we have lots of different community people that have helped out in different capacities and with different events. And um, I know uh, Brianna brings up horse judging. Um, yeah, several years ago when I first started here and kids wanted to start out with a horse judging came. I mean, I, I didn't know that much about horse judging. And again, a former student who was back in the area, um, Anna Johnson, you know, provided she wasn't able to come to every workout, but she kind of got them started and she was able to connect me with some resources. So sometimes it's not even that they can, um, that they're necessarily going to be able to help coach the team physically, but they can provide you with, Hey, here's some things that are really good, um, for, for your students to be able to learn or, or figure things out, um, and whatever. And so, um, so it seems I, like I think, you have, you have some people that are the physical coach, so you can step back from that contest completely. And then you have others that you just have experts coming in to right. help out. Yeah. How do you, and I, and maybe you don't worry about this, but if you do have somebody that's willing to coach the whole team, you know, like agronomy, for example, for you, and now you have livestock kids and egg sales kids as well. Do you ever worry about keeping it fair amongst teams with like how much they practice, how often, you know, I always think about like, we have one overnight contest, you know, during the winter, normal winter CDE. Um, and I want to make sure that they're devoted before I take them all the way to Fargo and spend all this money when they didn't go to a contest, they haven't shown up to practice. How do you, do you set some ground rules for someone that's coming into coach? How do you make that fair? Maybe you, I guess, maybe you don't worry about it at all. Yeah. I, I, I think I know what you're saying though, Nikki. And I do, I think that you need to set some of those expectations. Um, you know, like for us, our kind of our expectations, you got to be to three practices before you can go to a winter CDE event or contest or whatever, you know? Um, and so, um, but yeah, I think that you, you still need to set up some of those things because otherwise you're right. Like they might just say, oh, well, okay, well I'll practice with them once. And that's, that's all they'll need, you know? Um, so to kind of just have that, have good communication with them to be able to know what your expectations are as far as, um, you know, what you typically expect for, uh, for your events. And I, and I do, I think that's, I think that it's hard, like, like, especially for our state FFA convention. I mean, I don't know that I set any minimum numbers of practices that you have to be at or anything like that. I think it's just, um, you know, that obviously if there are kids that aren't coming into practice, it's, it's me trying to find some time when they can, when they can actually come in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't had to worry about that too much. I mean, for the most part, I think that, you know, like if you're getting, if you're getting started, if you're a young teacher getting started, I think that those are some things that you really need to get established as far as here's what I expect for you to practice and how often and, and some of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, now I, I guess I don't have to quite worry about those same things, you know, anymore, but. So Missy, you sound like obviously you have a ton of resources and people available and people willing to help out. And um, I think about myself when I was in high school too, you know, we had those core people that always helped with contests, but um, thinking back to even your first year as a teacher in Medina or um, me, I mean, I'm in a new school this year and I don't know that many people in the community and maybe other listeners are that same way. They're, they're, they're a brand new teacher or whatever that case may be. How do you get started? with involving community members when you don't know anyone? Yeah, so I think that's a, that's a great question. And I actually, when I was kind of thinking about um, this um, partic particular topic, I tried to put myself into a um, beginning, uh, what it was like when I was starting out in Medina and uh, probably some of the greatest resources for me were a other egg teachers at the time. And I know that those aren't community members, but, but really like, I mean, find out the results of your previous years, whatever contest it is, and look at who those, some of those top teams were and try to, you know, reach out to some of them locally. I, other teachers were the resource for me. Um, and, and in Medina, it was a small enough school 
where, you know, some of the students that I taught or their parents were also some of the teachers in the school. And so I said, you know, like, is there anybody that really knows something about this or, or even the students themselves can be a great resource for that. Do you guys know anybody that knows very much about horse judging or, or horses in general, you know, um, for, for floriculture, it was a matter of trying to, you know, in Medina, our nearest florist was 30 miles away. Um, and so trying to, to make just some of those connections and finding out some of those kinds of things, you know, who are some of the agronomists in town, uh, who are, you know, who would be some people that, um, might be interested in what, you know, whatever event it is, maybe it's, you know, mechanics, for example, you know, are there any people that are really good in that area? A lot of times the students themselves can kind of help you with some of those connections as well, as far as like, you know, who are some of those people, but other teachers in school. And the other thing is, is that I, I think you just need to be patient. Um, I, I think that it does take some time. Don't feel like you have to find those community people in the first, even two or three years, you know, the more that you establish yourself in that community, the, the easier it becomes to make some of those connections. How do you, I mean, off topic, how do you thank those people um, for, I mean, that's a lot of time um, and effort. I mean, it, it sounds like some of those people are spending a lot of their time with your kids and, and in your program. How do you, I mean, is there anything special you do every year or how do you make sure that they, because they keep coming back for you and there's a reason. So how do you make sure that that happens? Yeah. So one of the things that I always at least try to do and whatever is that, I mean, just a thank you card from the kids, just, just enough for them to know that you appreciate their time. And, uh, you know, depending on the circumstance, you know, whatever the situation and, and whatever, a gift card to go along with it you know, Hey, I sure appreciated that you came in and helped with these kids, but, but the, the thank you card can be from them and, and you, I mean, as the egg teacher, but I think that when the kids, when, you know, when they know that the kids appreciate your time, um, I think that that's a, a big part of it as well. You know, we've had some of our community members that have gone to national FFA convention. So the kids have taken it upon themselves to go over to the little FFA shopping mall and, pick out something because, Hey, they knew that we want to get something for Joel, or we want to get something for Bruce or Jory or whoever it is. That's, um, that's helped us out. Um, but I, I think, and, and, and also, I mean, obviously we have, uh, you know, I always laugh because like your honorary FFA degree, I mean, like we could have given it to a lot of those people 10 times, you know, because they, you're right. They always help and they always do things. And I do. I think that those recognitions feel good to those people as well. But I think just a simple thank you note, maybe a little gift certificate, um, you know, even the, the kids may be stopping by where they work after the contest is over to just say, hey, thanks. We really appreciated that um, is worth a, a lot to them. Um, and so it, it really truthfully has not been any more than just some thank you cards and you know, a gift certificate or, or, or some type of FFA, you know, item or apparel or, you know, sweatshirt, t-shirt, whatever, um, to just let them know that we appreciate them helping out. Ran, I don't know if you've done anything either. I just make sure too, if I'm posting a picture of that team, um, at a contest, um, like this morning, like my livestock kids were here for the virtual Richland contest and I posted a picture of them participating and I made sure to put in there like this, this team is coached by Rick Schmidt and I constantly have a conversation with them because I don't go to that practice, um, partially because they would do way worse if I helped with livestock. Um, but I make sure that just a simple thank you at the end of practice, like they've spent their whole evening with you, those kids have the, enough time to walk up and say thank you so or even if you're putting it in the newspaper make sure you know even when I register for events like I put him down as the coach because he is like I I just sometimes drive them so I'm the bus driver to that team but uh they deserve I mean they deserve all of the recognition um and so sometimes that simple like notification in the newspaper that that's their team is all that they need to see too 
Yeah, I mean, I would say too, like inviting, I think you said it, Nikki, but like inviting them to the events, like Nick, Missy always kind of jokes about like, she's got her entourage with her um, for all of the different contests that she goes to. But um, I think even like at like state winter CDEs, when the agronomy team wins or whatever, like she always makes sure that um, those coaches go up there with that team and get their recognition along with them as well. Was it hard, Missy, to give up? like coaching of certain teams ever for you? Like when you, maybe, maybe not. Um, but if you have an expert, maybe if it's your, a contest that you really enjoy doing, was it ever hard to like step away? Or I feel bad sometimes not going to the livestock practices, but then I'm able to spend that time with my, with my other teams. Cause he's the expert. Like I literally know nothing and I should go and learn, but it does allow me to have that time to, to, you know, put in the bus requests and register for the events, but sometimes they feel guilty. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would, I mean, in terms of giving up, um, yeah, it has, depends on what team it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, cause we all have those things that we really like to do um, and whatever. And, and yet, and you're right, you, cause you do give up some of that control um, and you know, being able to know what they're practicing and are they practicing the right thing and are they, you know, doing the right thing that way. Um, yeah, I think that it's challenging and it's probably more challenging, like I said, for those events that I maybe am more um, interested in or the things that I like more. Uh, farm management is one that would be an example for me that it's hard for me to give up all of the control because I really like it and I want to help them out too. Like, I want to be able to to be there too. And so like, especially, um, you know, if there's depending on kind of, you know, the level of the team and some of that kind of stuff, it is hard to just step away from, uh, step away from that. Um, but yet at the same time, I, I think that that is probably been something that has been easier for me to do as I've gotten older, uh, because I've just realized that like, you know, it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter if I tell them the information or if someone else does, um, you know, like they're doing, they're going to do perfectly well with, with someone else helping them out and coaching them. And I realized that like, just cause you're right, Nikki, time is a big thing and I'm getting, you know, older. And so time becomes even more, um, important or you realize the value of that time. And so I realized that, Hey, if someone else is willing to help them out, that means that I have time to do something else, whatever that is, you know, if, if that's helping another team or if it's doing something else within my program that needs to be taken care of, or sometimes it's just, you know, your own personal time. Like I don't have to think about preparing for that practice because somebody else is going to be able to, to help out and do it. And so, um, you know, it, it, it is a challenge. Um, to kind of be able to give that up a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I said, at the same time, um, you know, once, once you, I think that, you know, once you do it and once you have some other people that are involved in it, um, you realize that you're just able to, to distribute your time in other places. My last question before we wrap up is for both of you, I guess, do you guys give any incentives like I've heard some chapters, like they place gold at state, they, they get to go out for dinner, they have a big chapter gold award supper. Do you guys do anything to kind of challenge them? You know, especially if you're only meeting with some teams once a week to challenge them to spend that outside of practice time, you know, studying that written test or coming in extra and looking at seeds and plant mounts and whatever it is. Um, I'd just be interested in that. Um, I guess I don't, and I, I haven't ever had an incentive program. I haven't ever had like, even, you know, like a points program for attending different events and some of that kind of stuff. That's just, um, I, I don't know that I would be able to speak for, you know, pros, cons, that kind of thing. I guess I just, um, I haven't really done it. Um, I think that um, for some students that, you know, there certainly would be, that would be some extra motivation to be able to work towards that. Um, especially, especially, I guess if I saw like, um, and I, I shouldn't say that, I don't know. It's been a long time, but several years ago, I had challenged a group that, Hey, if you, you win this, 
it's a steak dinner on me, you know, and, uh, and they got it. They, you know, they want it. And so I certainly lived up to that and, and whatever. So I think sometimes those are kind of just some fun things, but in terms of like a consistent, you know, motivation incentive, whatever, I haven't used that type of program, um, before, but, and, and that's what I was going to say. I enjoy some of those fun things. Um, like for example, our livestock judging team, uh, we have a, if you've ever seen those large signs that say, beware of the dog. And so every week at livestock judging practice, um, somebody's the top dog. Um, and that top dog is the person that has the highest total placing points. So it doesn't have anything to do with reason. So it kind of levels the playing field a little bit because obviously those kids that have been doing livestock judging are probably going to longer or probably going to score higher in reasons. Um, so, so the top dog gets the beware of the dog and we have this little harness thing and they get to wear it at practice for the next week. Um, but it's just though we probably try to do some of those kinds of fun little things. And then we have like candy packets or whatever for like, um, that we've done, um, in some, events or some things before and I use winter that's a winter CDE thing because we have kind of multiple events but even that is enough to say you know I remember in agronomy this is a couple years ago when we were trying to get the kids to do better on their paper class and so hey if you get 100 on your paper class you're going to get this treat at practice and I mean just little simple fun things like that um, I think have been maybe more incentive for some kids to be able to do it um, than maybe really like a big um, thing at the end. Um, but so, yeah. And, and I would kind of to go along with that. We have to find ways to make this stuff fun, right? I mean, kids aren't going to do it if they're not going to have fun at it. Um, and I would hope that Brianna would allude to this, that, I mean, she can probably remember some really, you know, funny things that maybe happened out of practice or, uh, you know, whether it was something land judging or range judging or agronomy or whatever, like, I mean, you've got it. You've got to make it fun for them. If it's always just get to the grindstone, keep practicing, you know, it's not, not all kids are going to be able to adapt to that kind of intensity. And so finding some fun ways and to make things uh, interesting, I think is important to keep kids involved as well. I love the top dog thing. I think we're going to steal that. Um, <laughs> Brianna, have you done anything or anything this year that you plan to do? The satisfaction of winning, Nikki, is enough. <laughs> Brianna Briegel would say that. Everybody who knows Brianna and that's listening has laughed knowing that she would say that. <laughs> no, I mean, I really haven't. Um, I think I try to, like, establish, like, different, like, norms for practices and, like, kind of, like, routines of, like, you know, we do this for 15 minutes. Like, I remember with my small animal care team in Kindred, um, they were always after school, just like all amps. So, you know, we would have like, okay, 10 minutes of, we're going to go through, you know, these breed ID PowerPoints, because that was their favorite thing, like, and they would run up to the board, you know, like that kind of thing. And then we're going to focus. Um, when I student taught in Oaks, they, there were some junior 4-H crop judgers or agronomy judgers who always had to run over to the gas station to get candy before they could do anything. So, you know, having those things like this is okay. You can talk to your friends for, you know, five minutes or whatever, and then we're going to get started. Um, but like at our banquets and like Missy did that, did it too when we were in high school, you know, like we always tried to do like most improved, most improved livestock judger or overall livestock judger for that year. Um, top newcomer. So like some of those kinds of awards. And then with, agronomy joel and bruce and missy always tried to do for the winter cdes i don't know if you guys still do it or not where there would be just like a recognition night for those contests and then they would give out some fun awards it was just a paper certificate but you know high pan class scores or um some other like joke award nickname kind of things throughout the year that we had person made. who's cried the most is that still a certificate year got hanging out <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that too, Brianna. We we still do that little fun night um, and we've done it like at the bowling alley. That's after our winter um, CDE season. Um, you like, only do that for winter CDEs? Or? We only do that for winter CDEs, okay. primarily because there's just more events, you know, and again, right. whoever dreamed up in North Dakota that agronomy, livestock judging and egg sales were these sacred CDEs that we had to practice for this extended period of time. I have no idea, but anyway, <laughs> they did. 
I'm pretty sure Joel Lemur and Rick Vanette were involved back in the 1930s and whatever. But anyway, um, you know, we, we just do it for our winter CDEs. But yeah, we've done it at the bowling alley. We've done it here at the school. It's a little potluck, a chance for the parents to kind of um, come in. And yeah, there's always somebody that oversleeps. So we try to remember some of those little <laughs> stories and some of that kind of stuff. But again, just trying to make it a little bit more fun and, and yeah, um, a, a way to kind of also include kind of the parents and the families too. This year, I, I have a group of kids that they're loving it. So I, I wanted to do some incentives so they have fun too but I wanted to make sure the incentive was fair enough for them as a team as well as individually so they'd challenge themselves to do better and I think earlier you mentioned recording them and I really need I didn't record my egg sales individual like their first individual um I mean there's still time because they're still pretty green but their first team, like I need to remember to record that when we do their very first team event, because I think that when they rewatch that, they're going to really see their growth and maybe recognize just how much um, growth and improvement they've had. But this year, the individual with the highest overall average is going to win $25 to the shop FFA. We've never done this before. So I, we just made a simple poster with the events that we're going to. And that way a kid who doesn't go to one, um, I mean, it, it might not necessarily hurt them for not going, but um, then we're going to have their scores from every event. So they, they look, I mean, when they're in sports, they're looking, well, what did I score at the last, um, the last game. Well, I'm going to try to beat that. So I, I want to instill that same, like, want to improve in here as well. And then I just said, if the team places gold at state, I'm going to take them to dinner and I'm definitely going to do the top dog thing. Like whoever has the highest score. Um, cause I think that's, that's fun. Um, and the simple little certificates are great too. So yeah, I like that. For sure. I would just say like, make sure, and you kind of mentioned it too, Nikki, like whatever you do, make sure it's fair. Because I think of some of my high school classmates that they were at every practice and they yeah. might've done that CD for four years and they tried so hard, but they never got a gold. Mm -hmm. And that just was never something that was achievable for them. Um, but they improved every year and they were still out there trying their hardest. So Right, which is why I wanted to fair. do the team part of this too, because if, you know, I'm working really hard at egg sales. I might not win that $25 gift card, but I, if I'm still working hard, I'm obviously still helping my team as well. So um, I'm excited I to see how it goes. I'm doing the top dog thing. I think that's, that's cute. So, and I've always too, like at the, at practice, like if it's an identification thing, I, I do it with them and they always love to beat me. So some events, it's not hard at all. Um, but like agronomy, I like do the seed ID with them and they're always trying to get the same score as me. And so sometimes the simple things like that are, are fun too. But, um, I think that's all we have. I mean, we could obviously continue to talk about this all day, but thanks Missy for being here. And if, if this episode was helpful, helpful to you, or, you know, somebody that it would be helpful to, you know, make sure to share that and like here by the owl podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have a future topic idea or wish to be a guest, please reach out to us and we'd love to have you. Thanks again, Missy.